Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. Tonight, we have Eric Eager, the VP of Research and Development for Sumer Sports, joining us to talk about the Vikings and Giants playoff game last week and then what to just expect this offseason for the Vikings. So grab your Lake Monster beer. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. Like I mentioned in the intro, Eric Eager is joining us this evening. And by the way, this episode and all Viking Happy Hour uh, episodes are sponsored by Lake Monster Brewing. And That's Badass Wood Art. You can go and get your custom piece of That's Badass Wood Art and use promo code CTPOCKET for 20% off any one order. Um. We got some fun stuff to talk about this week now that the Vikings are are booted from the playoffs, which I did feel like was inevitable, right? I think we almost saved us ourselves a little bit of embarrassment not having to go uh, play the 49ers because I think they would have just ripped us apart. But we have Eric on. Eric, your takes on the Vikings are, you know, I'd say pretty spot on for the most part. Um some fans may disagree, but for the most part, they are. So what were your takeaways from Sunday, um, whether it's Kirk-related, Kevin O'Connell-related, uh, the defense-related, anything? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, emblematic of a lot of what we've seen the last few years where, you know, the quarterback played pretty well. He was certainly not the reason they lost um, by any stretch, uh, but the roster, you know, and we've had, you know, seasons with this team where the roster kind of popped up a little bit and, and, and half seasons in the case of this uh, of this team. But um, there's just so many holes on this roster and and this this team depended so much on things that were so unsustainable uh, that, you know, it just was eventually going to crumble a little bit. And, um, you know, one of the stats that came out, my former intern, Arjun uh, Menon, who uh was looking at uh, basically, uh, you know, perfectly covered plays, which, you know, this is ideas like how often do none of your players make a mistake on defense? Um, you know, pretty predictive of, of success in coverage. And the Vikings were the worst team in the NFL this week in that uh, less than a quarter of their passing plays on defense uh, were such that no defender made a mistake. So you look at a season where you have great individual efforts by Patrick Peterson uh, Harrison Smith remaining who he was good, good year from Eric Kendricks, even like pop-ups, you know, type seasons from Duke Shelley, even a certain amount, but ultimately the weak links for the Vikings were their downfall. And, you know, that circles all the way back to the decision they made, uh, in 2018, where they, they put a lot of money into the quarterback and hoped that the rest of the roster could hold on, even as they were not able to shove chips into the table on other positions. And, you know, the quarterback has played very well, and 
Uh, but the rest of the rosters continue to atrophy, and we saw that Sunday against a, you know, frankly, the worst playoff team besides the Vikings and the Giants. Has your opinion yeah. changed on Kirk Cousins? Or is it still I mean, about the same? Yeah, I mean, you know, 2021, this summer, I ranked him as the eighth best quarterback in football. Like, I don't think that really has changed much. Um, I think that, you know, this year, even though his statistics weren't as good, he only averaged, I think, 7.1 yards per pass attempt. The EPA was kind of middle of the pack. Uh, he had 23 turnover-worthy plays in the regular season, which was a top-five mark in football. I actually found him more enjoyable to watch this year than in previous years. Um, I remember um, te- texting somebody, you know, uh, texting somebody in the Vikings front office. I was like, "Look, I kind of find it kind of cool that you guys are running every route on third down past the sticks because uh, that <laughs> makes Kurt have to throw it. Because I think Kirk, if you give him the checkdown, he's like Ron Burgundy. If you give him the teleprompter, he's going to read it." And, you know, we saw that on the fourth down play. Um, You know, I thought that Kirk took more chances. I thought that he took more hits. I thought that he, you know, was more of a leader this year in a lot of ways. And so even though statistically it wasn't as pristine as it had been in the past, I felt like he was a more endearing quarterback this year. So I, you know, this is weird, but I I enjoyed watching him more than the previous three, you know, four years. Um, But I, I, you know, ultimately, you know, the, the, the fact that he's unable to elevate the roster past, you know, the deficiencies that his contract helps produce, uh, you know, is always going to be the reason that they fall short most seasons. Well, and to your point that you've made, like, I mean, in a sense this year, he kind of did, right. He, he, he came up with many uh, game winning drives, right. That covered up the deficiencies and allowed us to win. But again, at the end of the day, at the end of the season, you know, the boogeyman's still going to come out at some point, right? It came out against the the Cowboys, came out against the um, Packers, a little bit against the Lions, I guess, to a certain extent, right? Like uh, the boogeyman came. It's just, you know, we were able to overcome that. And he was able to elevate the team enough, mostly him, right, uh, with his play. But it just it was never going to be enough once we get to those elite teams. And that's yeah, where I'm worried about bar- next year. Right. And the bar was lower, right? And I think, you know, when we looked at the difference in um, general managers this year, so Adapo Mensa, you know, went one way. He basically, you know, pushed back contracts on great players and, you know, and Kirk, too. And, uh, you know, whereas Ryan Poles basically traded Robert Quinn, he traded Roquan Smith. He he uh, basically got rid of, you know, traded Khalil Mack um, and, you know, left the cupboard bare. You know, the Bears looked at the easy NFC and, and make no mistake, the Vikings were not a great team this year. They, you know, they, they had a negative point differential. And when you look at, you know, who they've beaten, let me let me quickly look at, you know, off the top of my head with these these backup quarterbacks that were on their on on their ledger here you're looking at you know Andy Dalton who ended up being their starter but you know let let's let's overlook that Andy Dalton was a backup um you know uh Skylar Thompson was a backup uh Taylor Heineke was a backup that they played um Mike White was a backup that was on their schedule uh Matt Ryan wasn't a backup but he had been benched already before uh and then in Chicago you played you know uh Nathan Peterman uh, you also got like the worst performances of the season. It, you know, may, one of the worst performances out of the season in week one out of Aaron Rodgers. You got a bad performance out of Josh Allen uh, against Buffalo. So like 
Kirk did, you know, overcome a lot of the deficiencies of the team, but it wasn't as though they were facing like the world beaters. And I think that that was part of the thesis, you know, with, you know, Adapo Mensa when he was, you know, you know, what, deciding whether or not, you know, what to do with this team this year, he was saying, look, like, you know, th- this is a very winnable season. And, you know, whether or not he's whether or not it's fair, he's going to be judged by this season plus other seasons. You know, whereas you look at polls, you know, he's basically got one shot to build a roster. It's just this year they have one hundred million dollars. They have the number one pick. And if they go busto on this year's, uh, you know, collection of players like Ryan Poles is basically a sitting duck. Quasi this year did not have a great draft by any stretch of the imagination. Their their free agent acquisitions were just whatever. Um, but this 13-win season is going to buy him, I think, some time. I think that the hardest part for them is going to be now, um, you know, how hard is it to go to your boss and say, look, the team I built you that won 13 games isn't actually as good as that, so I need to start over. That's a really hard conversation to have. Yeah, well, I, the other thing, too, that at least I'm generally concerned about is you're now playing, you know, the first place opponents next year and not, you know, the last or the third place opponents. Uh, I, I forget the divisions that we face, but you're just going to get the best of the best teams next year. Um, and I think we also have, I think we have the AFC West. Um, so we got the chiefs coming to town, the chargers. Um, there's just going to be a lot of, of more difficult games I would anticipate next year. And I don't think this team, at the current moment is going to get anywhere close to the 13 wins that they got this season. Um, I mean, uh, and on top of that, Matt, I mean, you also have the best teams in the NFC, the Eagles, the right. Niners, right? And I, for, yep. I forget who our division that we play is, but for sure the Chiefs and the Niners, or Chiefs, Chiefs Niners, and the, um, um, and the Eagles, I mean, you know, those teams aren't going to need to be purging their roster for cap space. You know, they're not going to be having to let go of, you know, half of their starting defense this year and letting them walk because we need the cap space and we have to rebuild around that. They're not dealing with that. So, yeah. um, And and why aren't they dealing with that outside of Patrick Mahomes? Rookie or rookie contract QBs. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so, right. Someone brought brought up in the chat, you know, what happens now? Because JJ's up for an extension, right? And his contract is going to be insane. So what do the Vikings do then in that sense with, you know, a $30 million wide receiver, a, you know, 30 plus million quarterback, and a defense that has a bunch of aging veterans and looks incredibly slow all over the field? Yeah, I mean, I wrote this uh, for Purple Insider with Matt Collar. Like, I, you know, it's sad. It's hard to say. Like, I said this on, you know, plug my own podcast, the the Sumer Sports Show with myself and Thomas Dimitrov. We were talking today about Jalen Hurts. And, like, it's hard because sometimes great football decisions or great football outcomes yield difficult football decisions. So, you know, I don't think any of us expected Harrison Smith to be this good this late in his career. But the fact that he has has yielded hard decisions about what to do. I was on, um, you know, the old 1500 saying they should trade Harrison Smith. I said that like pre-pandemic they should trade Harrison Smith, not because he sucks, <laughs> far from it, but because he's worth something to the team, right? He's worth something to the rest of the league. And instead, of course, Harrison Smith keeps playing great 
and they keep having to kick the can down the road on his contract. Well, the problem is, is when you have a year like this year where Harrison's good, not amazing. Well, now you've got an ama- a good player on amazing money with an amazing commitment. That's the other part. The commitment to Thielen, the commitment to Harrison Smith, the commitment to Cousins are, you know, they're, they're prohibitive to team building. And that is in large part because the guys that you've signed and the guys you drafted have worked out. It's just that the, the having to continue to buy into them, foregoing the difficult decisions to move on from players um, a year early as opposed to a year late is leading to the fact that now you look at the secondary and there's no good young players in the secondary. Um, you know, you can call Lewis Seen a good young player, but that would be a complete projection. Uh, Bynum's an okay player. Uh, you know, the cornerback position, like we don't know when Andrew Booth will ever play. Uh, Caleb Evan looks okay, but like there's all questions in a, in a secondary where you need five guys to step up and play. Linebacker, you know, Kendricks has been, been a great Viking, but until they decide to move on from him, he's going to make it hard for them to be younger at that position. Asamo at least was a, was probably the best of a bad draft class this year so far has been okay. And then on the defensive line, like I know they've tried with guys like Wanham and Jones and stuff to uh, bring up the young players, but um, you know, it's the, been the success of Denell Hunter that's going to cause them to make a tough decision on him this year. So it, it's just hard because, you know, the NFL, especially when you have a quarterback like Cousins, the NFL is won and lost by having deep rosters. And, you know, the, the fact that they have a bunch of great players, plus a quarterback who's good, not great, um, yields, uh, you know, the, the holes that a team like the New York Giants helped exploit on Sunday. So I guess... My question to you then, Eric, is in I do like the point that you bring up about the draft class and just them just being projections. I think Kwesi even alluded to that today. I think someone said, you know, how can you you look forward when you don't know really what you have? And he goes, you can't really count on on that. Um, any ad- added benefit we get from that is great. But, you know, we don't know who Lewis Seen is going to be. We don't really know who Andrew Booth is going to be. But um you know, you've been around football a lot longer uh, than we have, and, and you've obviously your show is with a former uh, GM. So, how would you attack this offseason if you were the Vikings? Um, yeah, I'll just leave it as broad as that. Uh, yeah, you have to be. I think you have to be really sober about what the what this represents, right? So, uh, on offensive line, you you have to hope that Garrett Bradbury will give you. Uh, you would negotiate with you in a modest contract that he shows some good faith because, you know, they stuck with him for longer than they probably should have. Um, you have to hope that Ed Ingram emerges. Now, guard is one of those positions. I mean, we learned it with Garrett Bradbury in Minnesota. Um, that takes a long time to evolve, right? Uh, Ezra Cleveland still on a rookie deal. You have great tackles. So I think the offensive line is probably okay if you can get Bradbury, but you probably have to sign some depth pieces. We saw late in the season that things fell apart when guys got injured. So, um, you know, what does that mean? You, you know, the the thing that the the thing that I wrote about in Collar's piece was, you know, there are two types of positions in football. There are premium positions and there are non-premium positions. The premium positions you can almost only access through trades and free and and the draft. So, like tackle. Well, the Vikings have done great there. Darashaw and O'Neill. They're probably going to be fine there. Um, you know, cornerback, uh, they've tried. And I, and I give Quasey a lot of credit for trying there with Booth and uh, Caleb Evans. And prior to that, Spielman, you know, surely did try with Mike Hughes and Mackenzie Alexander and that kind of thing. Uh, defensive end, you know, outside linebacker, you know, edge players, another one. Um, they're okay there. 
they need some reinforcements, of course, and they have never spent more than a third round pick on an edge, uh, Spielman era or uh, Dapo Mensa era. Uh, and then quarterback and wide receiver. And, you know, Jefferson was a, a really good pick in 2020. But other than that, they really haven't spent top draft capital on wide receiver in Minnesota before. And the problem is, is their roster has been so top heavy money wise that they've had to use what it, usually you can spend free agency money on non-premium positions. Right. So Gre- Bradbury, uh, Asamoah, uh, Lewis Seen at safety, like they're spending draft capital on non-premium positions when you can access those guys through free agency. Marcus Williams is a free agent last year. Joe Tooney was a free agent when the Chiefs really needed a guard after their disaster Super Bowl. So I think what you need to do with your the Vikings is you need to say, look, like we're in such a difficult position from a cap standpoint that we have to reset this year and start to build the roster from the premium positions in. And start with the fact that you got two good ones in O'Neal and Darashaw. Um, you know, you've drafted some in corner. You probably still need some more. Uh, you probably need a defensive end high. And the and with only four draft picks in this draft, the only way you can do that is to trade the quarterback or trade Justin Jefferson. And I don't know because, you know, you can make a case that he's the best player in the NFL. I don't know if anybody's ready to have that conversation, nor should they be. Um, but you really do need to start thinking about if you're going to build this roster the right way, you probably have to make some tough decisions on existing players and and sort of view 2023 as a as an actual rebuilding season. Yeah, I mean, it looks like there's going to be a lot of, you know, tough decisions at the at some of these aging positions. Um, what what is your take on like dead dead money? Right. Like so. We have a lot of money tied up, as you mentioned, in aging stars or, you know, they're not really stars anymore, right? A lot of uh, a lot of commentary coming from the Thielen family right now on, you know, this may be over. Uh, but you look at it, it's a $19 million cap hit for 2023. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was like $11 million in dead cap or something like that. And then we can save like six and a half. It's some, something like that. Um not really a tradable asset, right? He didn't really show enough this year, whether that was because he was not given opportunities or because he just wasn't creating opportunities, but we didn't see enough for him to be able to warrant any sort of trade. So the only options we really have with him is cutting or we have is, is asking him for a restructure, not a kick the can down the road restructure, but like, Hey, you didn't produce. We need to look at a pay cut. Right. And he's going to tell us, you know, the, based go on what they're kite. telling us on on, on uh, social media, they're going to tell us to go fly a kite. Exactly. So, so you, you have Thielen, right? You have Kendricks, who again he played okay this year, but you can definitely tell that he was a step slower, and he's the easiest to cut, right? I mean, I think it's like a one point five dead, and you save nine mil, right? Um, you look at Harrison Smith. You look at uh, you know Zedarius Smith. You look at. Daniel Hunter, you had mentioned, what do we do with him? Can't really cut him. Uh, you'd have to do a post-June 1st trade. Otherwise, we lose money by just even trading him. So yeah. it's kind of a weird situation with a lot of these aging bets, is I guess what I'm trying to say. So Dalvin Cook is another really big one. So, you know, how, how do you view that? Like, do you say, hey, this is a rebuild year. We're going to take this dead money on and get rid of these guys and open up the cap space and try to make maybe some like – you know, savvy moves like we did with like Limbaugh Joseph back in the day and kind of find those second or third tier uh, free agents that can be building blocks for the future. Um, you know, how would you approach that? 
Yeah, so I mean, you're uh, you you have 52 players under contract, which isn't so bad, but you're over the cap by about 24 and a half million. Um, you know, the Zadarius Smith gets you about 13 and a half, even pre June one. Uh, Eric Kendrick gets you about nine and a half pre June one. Um, Jordan Hicks gives you another five pre June one. Now the issue is, is when you cut these guys, like you have to replace them with somebody, and that gets back to the whole rebuilding thing where you just you know, you do draft picks and stuff. The problem also is they only have four draft picks. So that, you know, there's, there's a difficulty there, but just to get under the cap and remember, you know, these, these, the thing that uh, Jason Fitzgerald said, which I thought was so eloquent was like, when you do restructures, it, 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 it does you, there's no edge in being cap compliant and restructures just mean that you have to play the, you, the guy's going to be on your team then. Right. And you have to decide whether or not that that's worth, you know, that's worthwhile. And I think for the case of Thielen, for example, it's not. And that's why you have to move on. I don't know if a trade is ever going to work just because his number is so high uh, for what he's producing. Um, but you can go, you know, so Kendricks, uh, Hicks. So you're at 14 with, with Zadarius. That's another 13 and a half. So that'll get you under the cap no matter, you know, nothing having to do with Cousins, nothing having to do with Thielen, nothing having to do with, with Harrison Smith. Um, you could, you know, extend Danell Hunter uh, to get that number, you know, to get that number smoothed out a little bit. His cap number is actually not that big next year. It's only 13 million. It's pretty small as edge players go, but it's the way the thing is structured. So you probably have to restructure that deal and just commit to Danell Hunter being a Viking forever, which given how well he played in the second half of this season and how healthy he was, uh, is not a not actually a bad thing. Um, then you can go and say, you know, post June 1, I think you can post June 1, take, take, you know, 13 and a half, you know, million with savings and six and a half dead on Thielen. Now, the post June one issue is, of course, you spread that out, out over two years. So you're going to pay that money, but you're going to pay it over two years. And then Harrison Smith, if you post June one, you get 15 more. So that's going to give you 28 million to, to, to work with. I think then you just use that to get a Justin Jefferson contracts extension sign, which is not going to eat up all 28 of that. It'll be more than that APY, but it'll be, you know, smoothed out over, uh, four or five years. Um, and so quick you get question the on that, Eric. Yeah. Quick question on that. Sorry to interrupt you. So with him still having two years left on his contract, right, his fourth year and then his fifth year option that we can pick up, would that extension then kick in in in, in year six? You would have new money, though, that would – that yes, yes. So usually what ends up happening is a player on a rookie deal will sign a deal – and he'll still have rookie deal money um, over the final two years of the deal. You will have to pay a signing the signing bonus part of it, I believe, over those first two years. So it's just gonna, not the you salary. Kind of split, okay. You kind of split the difference over those two, like your especially cash expenditures, were, which are not actually cap expenditures, which are underrated parts of it. Um, you know, teams oftentimes will be under the cap, but because, like for example, if you um, convert a base salary to a to a signing bonus and spread that out over five years you you won't your cap hit is one-fifth of what your cash charge is going to be that year or the amount of money you have to put in escrow to pay the player so there's there are considerations there but yeah jefferson's still going to be inexpensive for the next two years ish it's going to be an increase but you're going to be committed to him uh down the line so you know there there is a way out but you're going to, and then you probably do want to consider TJ Hawkinson on an extension. I know he's fifth year option next year. That would be another one where I don't know you can necessarily bring his number down because his fifth year option isn't that much money uh, relative to what he could earn because I think he's a top 10, top, top five tight end in the league. 
But you do those two things, Dalvin Cook as well, um, which gives you $11 million if you wait till post-June 1. So you end up okay there, but this year's roster is going to be pretty bad um, if you do pretty all bad, that yeah. kind of stuff. And, 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 and I think, Cousins honestly, I think that's the way you got to go, though. Like, I, I mean – you can try to run it back, but we like to your point. We don't have the resources to re like to to, to retool enough to cover the deficiencies that we had with each of these guys getting a year older. And now, of course, yes, Scene can take a huge step and, and get really good really quick and and make a big difference in replacing Bynum. And 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 Booth could suddenly become amazing, and Caleb Evans could be great. But like the likelihood of all that happening is just not very likely. So uh, I think, yeah, quasi has got a really tough, some really tough decisions to make on this current roster, what we do with it, how you handle this approach. Again, the good thing, Eric, and I know you've been advocating for this for a bit is that we could go ahead and again, extend Hawkinson backload that right backload Jefferson a bit. And by the time that those things actually kick into being high, high money issues, Cousins is gone. Now you're on a rookie, hopefully a rookie contract or a much lesser contract at a quarterback position. And then, and then you run and then you try to run and build quick. Yeah. The, the one thing I do worry about with Jefferson is sort of, you know, the player, you know, so this off season, the players moved a little bit more than you would expect. So Adams and now granted Adams and Hill were both on their second contract. So they had already made their money, but Adams and Hill moved, uh, to, to destinations they re- referred, right? And Debo Samuel, uh, DK Metcalf, guys like that stayed. And the DK Metcalf one, I, I think, is the one that is should give Vikings fans hope because, you know, going into the year, you're talking about Geno Smith and Drew Locke. So there wasn't much at the QB position to really be excited about. And he stayed in Seattle for a top-end deal. That's good. That's good for the Vikings because, you know, I think if you're Jefferson, you say, okay, you know, Kirk has made – Jefferson incredibly productive but really hasn't won them anything so you know on one hand you keep Kirk around what is the incentive for him to want to stay he could go and you know play for a team that has a more dynamic quarterback a quarterback he gets along with but I don't you know all that kind of stuff I'm not I'm not gonna you know I don't have any inside information there but he could be like I don't want to play with Kirk if I'm going to sign a long-term deal but at the other hand you could say well don't worry we're going to trade Kirk and we're going to draft one of the top end QBs. And then if you're Jefferson, you're like, do I really want to break in a young QB? Right. So it is really tough. Like, I do think I, I do think there's a non-zero chance that Jefferson, you know, and the Vikings, it isn't as easy as we all think. Like, oh, they're starting contract negotiations and he's going to be a Viking forever. Uh, you know, the way it happened in Kansas City was the Chiefs sat down with Mahomes and said, you're a chief forever. Let's work on the details. And they said, if you're going to hold out. Yeah, and, and it was after a Super Bowl, so it was a little bit different. But you know, I think the Vikings and Jefferson will end up agreeing on something. But but if you if you spell it out, you know, there is a path to which he's unhappy and 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 engineers a move. Um, I, I don't think it'll happen, but I think that there's a non-zero chance that it could. And so that actually, I kind of want to pursue this path a little bit. So we talked about how they only have four draft picks in the upcoming draft. And I know some Viking fans don't want to talk about this, but there is going to be a life after Kirk Cousins, whether that's this next year, which it sounded like Quasi and O'Connell were kind of committing to Cousins for this next season. But in the next two, three years, life after Cousins is a real thing. Do you use your draft pick this year to find that replacement for Kirk Cousins? In which case, now you're down to three draft picks, essentially, to 
try and fill your roster. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Uh, yeah, I... The problem is, is the, the all the all the things we just talked about are going to require a lot of draft picks to get to get out in place. And when you look at 2024, the the Vikings have almost 100 million in cap space. Now they only have 27 players on the roster, and that includes Thielen, Smith, Smith, Cook, Hunter. Um, you know, all the in guys 2024. Yeah, so it's it's more like 2000. It's more like 22 players on a contract. And about a hundred million in cap space. So, you know, part of me thinks that the way out of this is to just play Cousins this year, let the thing breathe out a little bit. Cousins is going to be thirty-five next year. He showed some signs of age this year. I, I talked about how you know I thought he was gutsy this year, but I didn't think his arm strength was great. I didn't think his mobility has ever been that good. Um, you know, to extend him would mean to buy into years 36, 37, 38 on him, and I just don't know. I mean, we saw Matt Ryan. We you know. Joe Flacco was 34 when he, you know, when he played with the Broncos, and we've seen how much he's atrophied since then. Um, so, you know, I the probably the best path forward would be to play Cousins this year. Um, you know, trade back in the draft. So take your pick, move back. Probably, you know, you know, and Quasey showed proclivity for this. Move back into the 40s or something. Get two picks in the second round for your first round pick. Um, move back, try to collect six or seven draft picks. Know that a blue chipper isn't coming out of any of those picks unless you hit on one. Um, you know, sign bottom of the basement free agents. Uh, you know, and if Cousins can win with that bad of a roster, then you do want to extend him. That's like the whole point. Um, but he, but in all likelihood, he can't. And then you just let him walk. Uh, you take the twelve point five million uh, void year tax the the following year, and you you could sign another quarterback or you can just draft one. Um, I think that the quarterback comes actually in 2024 um, more yeah. instead of 2023. Well, and I think it's going to be a lot easier for us to get one of those quarterbacks in 2024. <clears throat> We've kind of talked about this earlier, Matt, you, you and I did uh, around the fact that we, we have a tough, uh, we have a tough schedule next year, right? I mean, like yeah. there's a very good chance we go from a 13 win team to like a six win team, seven win team, maybe five win team, who knows, right? Uh, depending on how bad this defense actually ends up getting with, you know, us moving on from maybe some of these guys. So, uh, and you look at the 2024 class, I mean, you have Caleb, uh, Caleb Williams, Heisman, reigning Heisman winner. You have Drake May from uh, North Carolina. If he, you know, plays well again this year, he's going to probably come out. You got uh, Deion Sanders kid 
uh, who's apparently making some waves. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of potential, I should say, coming up in this draft. So, and then with us maybe being a top ten pick instead of twenty three, it's and and we want to get to one, we want to get to two, three, four. It's going to be a heck of a lot easier, right? And we'll have more draft capital at that point in time, what have you. So, um, ooh, this is an interesting comment. Somebody saying, "Why don't we go and get Trey Lance?" Which again, that's a projection. <laughs> But, you know, maybe well, the problem, I mean, the problem with that is and, and uh, here's an illustrative illustrative uh, example. So back in 2020, when New England drafted Mac Jones, they also had Cam Newton and they were both basically making the same amount of money. The reason that they cut Cam Newton and went with Mac Jones is both directions. If if Cam Newton did great, he would get to go right back to the counter and say, I want a 30 million dollar deal. If he did poorly, then obviously that's the other side. The The hard part about veterans is that the risk is two-sided. If you if the guy does amazingly, then you have to pay him. If the guy does horribly, then the guy does horribly. That's the risk in and of itself. And so if you go to a guy like Trey Lance or Jordan Love or somebody like that, the hard part is, is when they're done with their rookie deal, the risk cuts both ways. If, if Trey Lance came here and slayed, then you would have to – and did so with great support – then you're right back to possibly the Kirk Cousins deal um, where you're paying him too much money and, you know, he's a kind of a, you know, top 12-ish quarterback instead of a top five and you're right back to where you started. So that's the, that's really the benefit of the rookie deal guys is that if he does amazingly, he can't ask for more money for two more years. And so you can plan around that with that fixed cost. Whereas if, a, you know, when Cousins blew up in Washington, the, the worst part about it is he blew up on his last year of the deal. So then the, the Washington commanders were like, well, what the hell do we do? Uh, we have to plan around it. And Kirk's, you know, rightfully asking for more money. And that it was that. And then, you know, they were sort of stuck in mud for two years. Um, you want the rookie deal guy, all else being equal, because A, the variance is higher and you always want to bet on variance for quarterbacks. But then the variance in cost is almost zero, knowing because he has on a rookie deal that you have that fixed number. That makes I didn't, I didn't. kind of sense. I mean, you're using a lot of big, <laughs> fancy analytical words that I'm not quite sure. No, uh, no, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, and then another comment here. So if we were to take that path in 24, you don't necessarily have to start a rookie quarterback. Um, you know, there's free agents that you can go pick up that, you know, you're going to want a veteran guy, a legitimate veteran guy um, in at, at the backup or maybe even to take the lead for the first couple of games. A lot of these teams are doing that a lot lately. Um, you know, I mean, and there's going to be guys with quality experience who are maybe aging or who are maybe looking for a chance like a, I mean, I, I don't want to say it because I'll get made fun of, but like, you know, like a Baker Mayfield or a Sam Darnold type, <laughs> right? Where again, you don't really want them to, to probably start a lot of games for you, but at least to kind of hold the candle until, uh, until that rookie is quite ready. Right. Um, you know, that that's an approach that you could take as well instead of just starting a rookie from day one. Cause you saw what that did with Zach Wilson. Yeah, exactly. Or, or, you know, and that was always the thing in Kansas city. Alex Smith was, was a, was a very good quarterback that, you know, played that part. Now, I don't know if Kirk would be that guy. If you would, if you were to push the clock forward one year and, and, um, you know, and, and, uh, and draft one this year, uh, that, that could be the case. Um, but you know, for the most part, throwing the guy in early is, is preferable, but yeah, as you said, Ryan, Zach Wilson, 
uh, the example of when you throw him in before he's ready, how it can hurt his development. Yeah, and I think, you know, he's honestly, not too, the way- cousins anymore. Like, honestly, the only, and, and I'm okay, like, I'm not okay with it, but like, there are two options, two options with cousins, three options. Play him out this year. Um, trade him and get 17.5 million in cap space and just say, forget this year or give him a five-year extension. Like the thing, the problem with cousins deals have always been, not only are they guaranteed, but they are short. The, 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 the long-term deals that you have at quarterback where you can spread out the risk, like Derek Carr was, is about as good as Kirk cousins. And the only reason the Raiders were eventually okay was because his deal went from top of the market to buy, to middle the market because the cap goes up and your, his number stays flat. Whereas Cousins' deals, he's always going back to the table two years in and getting bumping right back up to the top of the market. And without knowing, again, it's all about fixed cost. Without knowing what Kirk's cost is in 2024, you can't make great moves in 2023. And so... If you knew, like, again, if you guys are committed to Cousins, and I, I know the three of us are, I know where we stand, but if the Vikings are committed to Cousins, you ha- give them a deal for five years and just say, look, you're our quarterback, and we're going to work around that truth. And at least that stays relatively fixed. And, and you know, if you have to, you know, uh, move money around one year and, and whatever to build a better roster, perfectly. But the fact that his deals were three years and not like five or six, and then the extension was three, and then this one was two plus a void. They have always been, um, you know, prohibitive because you you don't have the fixed cost. You kind of always knew Kirk would be there, but you didn't know what the price was. It was like a, um, you know, a, a adjustable rate mortgage type thing. Uh, b- before you before you went on that, I was going to say I think Atlanta did a really good job um, bringing in a a gap like a a bridge quarterback in Marcus Mariota to kind of see then what Desmond Ritter had. And towards the end of the season, I thought Desmond Ritter looked, you know, fine. Um, and, and it's promising to build on. So I, I, I do agree that that's probably a good option for the Vikings in the future. Uh, before we kind of wrap here, uh, I want to get your take on just Kevin O'Connell as a whole for this season. Um, there were moments where he he kind of got too cute, I would say. Um, one showed up perfectly in this wild card uh, matchup with the Jefferson pass um, that that went nowhere. And then there were just some other you know moments throughout the season. But as a whole, what did you think of Kevin O'Connell? Do you think the Vikings are uh, you know still set up for success with him at the helm? Um, yeah. I'm a fan. I, you know, I don't, I, I think, you know, for one, they brought over whatever secret sauce the Rams had as far as injury prevention. I know at the end of the year, it kind of got away from them, but you look at like football outsiders adjusted games lost. You look at whale from PFF and like the Rams had always been good at avoiding injuries and that's how their stars and scrubs approach worked. And it was how it was working for the Vikings until, you know, some of their older guys got weaker and, and they got injured a little bit more, but like, he brought that over, and given how the Zimmer and Spielman era ended, that was a plus in and of itself. I also thought he managed the clock a lot better than his predecessor did in Zimmer. Um, I don't think he's a great play caller relative to like Gary Kubiak or, or somebody like that, but but he also did force Cousins out of his comfort zone. And you know, you saw early in the year Cousins struggled with you know basically them asking him to be more to kind of nut up a little bit more at quarterback, 
And at the end of the year, I like I said, I I actually really enjoyed watching Cousins play this year at the end. I thought, you know, he really did um, play quarterback until the dump off at the end, of course. I always, I thought he played quarterback like a, a franchise quarterback would. Um, that was O'Connell, in my opinion. So I like him. I don't think he's perfect. I, I wish, um, you know, they could have been more impressive down the stretch so I could have won some of my coach of the year bets on him. But um, <laughs> I thought he was a positive. I thought, you know, um, you know, the, the end of game stuff, you know, I think we attribute a little bit too much of that to him when it's really variance. But I felt like the team rallied around the quarterback. I think the the contrast between how he oriented himself around Cousins and how his predecessor, Mike Zimmer, did, I thought that that was palpable. And I thought that the 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 team rallied around Kirk in ways they didn't a season ago. I thought he set that tone. So, yeah, I thought he had a great first year. I don't know if that means he's going to be a great coach uh, in years two and beyond. But he was he – was I, I thought he did great this year. Well, and, and part of it, too, is just the culture aspect. And I know a lot of people make this culture thing into too big of a deal. But you can tell that that team was having fun this year. I mean, obviously, they're winning, so winning's fun. But, you know, when, when you create a culture of um, – I mean, it could go two ways, right? It could go both ways, I should say, in terms of, like, if, you, if you're a little too loosey-goosey, then, you know, people are going to not be held accountable and, you know, poor, uh, you know play poorly. But – you know, allowing these players to kind of play themselves, uh, you know, and, and be themselves um, really creates uh, this this yeah culture that really, I think, resonated well, not just within the team, but within the fan base, within, you know, the community and all of that. So. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, sure. for sure. And, I, and I, think, I think it was I think it was it was fun to watch the Vikings this year, which I think had not been true for a while. Right. Like I, you know, and. You guys, you guys make content about the team, and I, you know, of course, you know, make content about the whole league, and I've been very critical of the team in the past. And you know, even though I don't, you know, I, I, you know, I could still be critical of them. I felt like O'Connell and and O'Connell created a situation where Vikings games were enjoyable again. So that was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a fantastic year. But uh, now moving forward, this show is going to be very off season draft oriented because. That's just kind of where we are now, unfortunately. Uh, we're sitting on our couches, much like the rest of the NFC North. So, um, Eric, I want to thank you for for hopping on tonight. Um, that's all I had in, in the agenda. So if you want to plug uh, your new adventure at Sumer Sports, uh, go ahead and then give us, a, give us an early NFC North favorite for next season. We already oh, know who you're picking. I know. You I guys know, already I know, know my answer. By the way, can we pause? I I don't think I've ever been and like, you know, when my wife and I got married, we decided to be Kansas City Chiefs fans. I think that was the best football pick we've ever made in my life. Um, but you know, but besides that, I don't think I've ever been more right about a team that everybody else hated than Detroit. Um, so that was a lot of fun to see them come back. <laughs> uh, obviously, I wish they would have made the playoffs just to see them. Um, I think they would have gotten killed by the Niners, much like most teams would have gotten killed by the Niners last week. But you know, that was fun. Um, yeah, so at Sumer Sports, I, so I left PFF in in late August, early September. Uh, you know, seven years there was a lot of fun. Uh, Sumer Sports, we were collecting a lot of great sports analytics talent. Uh, our CEO Thomas Dimitrov is fantastic, former general manager of the Falcons. He and I host a podcast called the Sumer Sports Show. Um, our the the owner of Sumer Sports, the founder. Um, is Paul Tudor Jones, who, if you look him up, 
is uh, one of the most successful macro traders in the world. Uh, so we're trying to apply some of those principles to football. It's been a whirlwind and it's been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I haven't my relationship with football has been a lot more healthy, which has been great. And maybe that's uh, maybe attributed <laughs> to the fact the Vikings were enjoyable to watch this year um as well but yeah it's been a lot of fun i'm glad you guys had me on uh it's always fun to come back to your uh content roots is like this is one of my first places where i used to do a podcast so i really enjoyed just hanging out with you guys today yeah we always love yeah. having you on uh, oddly enough it's only welcome been your second appearance but uh yeah like ryan said you are always welcome on the show and we'll probably hey, i i did have one more question quick actually just oh, a right. quick question it doesn't have to be a long answer here um <laughs> Gut feeling, or is is uh, Ed Donatel gone? I know it hasn't been announced he, yet, and I think he's going to retire. I think that's probably the right move. Um, I don't think firing him is really, you know, like the Vikings are so weird. They won thirteen games. Like you think about that, it's only like, what three times in franchise history or four times. I can't remember the the years that they were really really good in the seventies. Was only a fourteen game season, so they haven't won thirteen or more games that many times, and. Um, and so firing a defensive coordinator after that feels weird, doesn't it? Right. So, um, and I think a lot of people look at that, the talent and know that it wasn't all his fault. Uh, but yeah, I don't think he's the defensive coordinator next year. And I think that they have to look elsewhere. And that, by the way, if we're thinking about, you know, you look at the comments and it was really fun to read all those. Um, you're looking at ways out of this quandary that they're in roster wise, hiring a really like super shot, you know, superstar defensive coordinator might be one of the ways out of that uh, that that uh, you know dearth of talent type thing. Yeah, sweet. Um, well, thank you again, Eric Ryan. Thanks for uh, for hopping on as usual. For everyone in the chat, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, the comments were were great all night long. Remember again, uh, that's badass word art. You can head over to that'sbadasswordart.com and get your custom piece of art from Luis using the promo code CT pocket for 20% off. Um, and then if you're in the cities, head over to Lake monster brewing. Uh, they have a bunch of great craft brews ready for you to, to drink up. So, uh, with that being said, Dave, are you, are you behind the camera? What's, what's in store for, for the rest of the week here? Uh, what's in store should be, I believe it's just going to be myself and Darren and two old bloggers, on Saturday at 2 o'clock Central, so we can have it done before the game start. And we're going to be talking through the transition from the season into the off season. Darren is having a rough time with it, and I'm sort of forced into it because i got to make graphics for everything. So it's uh, we'll help fans deal with how do you go from such an entertaining season to now off-season mode. But the first thing will Sweet. be to watch the playoffs. Very good. Well, well until next week, guys, uh, Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And feel free to rate us on your favorite aggregator. A big shout-out goes to our partners, the Daily Norsemen, where the best Vikings content can be found. To that's badass wood art. When you're looking for something unique to brighten your space. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody! Skull, everybody!